0: Hey, everyone. We're coming to Salt Lake City, Utah, and Phoenix, Arizona, this fall.
1: Yeah, October 23rd, we're going to be at Salt Lake City's Grand Theater. And then the next night, October 24th, we'll be in Phoenix. And we added a second show to our Melbourne show, right?
0: That's right, a second earlier show in Melbourne. So uh, you can get all the information for all of these shows at sysklive.com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Uh, hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. I almost forgot what I say first. Smooth as sandpaper. And then, <laughs> and there's Jerry right there. So this is the old uh, stuff you should know.
0: The triad. Yeah. But not that kind.
1: What kind? You know, like, sexual. <laughs> That's, I don't think they call those triads. Sure. That's that's normally, like, a triad's like three mafia families getting together or something like that. And having sex. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. No, I think uh, I think a triad very much can uh, can apply to a three-person couple, romantic couple.
1: Right? I'm sure we will hear about that.
0: Yeah, I will, we have. I think that's where I learned it.
1: Oh, I gotcha. We should also, speaking of sex, we should also give a bit of a mea culpa. We use the word prostitute. Yeah. In a couple of recent episodes, I think, collar bombs and drug courts. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is not the okay word these days. The The words you use is sex worker.
0: I knew, and I knew that, and I feel bad for saying it.
1: I do, too. So sorry to all the sex workers.
0: And we've had sex workers write in before with mm-hmm. uh, stories and saying, you know, you should do a podcast on this because it's not always
1: what you think. Right. And we will someday. Correct. But first, <laughs> we're going to do skyscrapers.
0: Yeah, uh, and I got to say, man, this is um, – I preface the tsunami episode with, like, core stuff you should know type stuff. Mm-hmm. I think this one falls in there, and I kept – maybe it's the little kid in me with, like, erector sets <laughs> and Lego and stuff like that. But I kept thinking, man, skyscrapers are so incredibly simplistic – yeah, it's so beautiful, and I think sim- beauty and simplicity is something that really gets me.
1: You love Occam's Razor,
0: yeah, <laughs> you love it. But the skyscrapers, when I was just reading about how these things are constructed and all, I'm just like, it's like a little kid designed it.
1: Yeah, I actually looked around. I'm like, am I missing a section or two on this article? But it's no, great. they're pretty straightforward, actually. Yeah, it's they're all just giant penises in the sky. <laughs> no out man some of them don't even try to hide it they've got like ridges and stuff and a man's name at the top (laughs) Yep, it's crazy it's like uh yeah i i I, in researching this i was like oh okay i get it skyscrapers are the jerks of the the buildings (laughs) community yeah
0: (laughs) well except maybe not because they're super efficient
1: at holding people and sure sure okay so that's well put, man. I'm glad you said that because it's a, there's a bit of a dichotomy going on here. You got the good, you got the bad. You got to put them both together, and there you have skyscrapers.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, this article in House of Forks starts out very appropriately in talking about the quest for height. Uh, and this has been going on since ancient times, whether it's a, a church cathedral or a tower mm-hmm. of Babel which they, I, I looked into that a little bit because I was trying to see how metaphoric that was. was that
1: Nimrods? Didn't he build
0: that? Yeah, you know, that Nimrod?
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I think so. I don't remember. But go ahead. Sorry. Well, uh, forget the Tower of Babel. Just ancient buildings, like from the pyramids to the c- cathedrals, everyone has always wanted to build things tall mm-hmm. because it's a striking thing, and it, it probably has a lot to do— with the ego of the man who wanted his name either on it or behind it.
1: Yeah, especially if you're part of a civilization that believes in God and you tend to think that God is in the sky. Sure. It's a bit saying like, hey, look at look at how close I am here. This building is in my name. Look at me. Look upon me and my building. Yeah. It's a giant phallus.
0: Yeah, to the point where there are literal competitions and like, I'm going to add one extra story or build mm. the little antenna five feet higher just to have that claim.
1: You know, there's something very similar in the roller coaster world, which yeah. I think we talked about. But at least it's a roller coaster. You know what I'm saying? It's not just a building. This is like I'm going to build the taller roller coaster than you and the people who ride me are going to be 7% more scared than your riders. Yes. That's that's doing something if you ask me, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so there is a there's there's a definite um benefit to building up. And early on, yes, it was just basically to glorify a king or a god or something like that, right? But over time, as people um started settling together in, in city centers uh and wanting to be close to the city center, there was a, a good reason to start building upward, and is that space outward was either at a premium or people didn't want it. They wanted to be in one specific spot. So the, op- the only option you have, aside from outward, is either upward or downward. And we haven't gotten to subterranean buildings yet. I hope to God we never do. <laughs> so we started building upward. And that's where skyscrapers for, first came, of, came from. And um, they came about, I think, in the late 1800s, the 1880s. And I believe the first one was the Home Life Building in Chicago. How tall was that? Ten whopping stories. Yeah, that was
0: a skyscraper back then. Mm-hmm. And I tried to find the first person who said that, but I couldn't. Um,
1: I found something on it.
0: Oh. Well, I heard Chicago is where it originated.
1: The the term? Yeah. Yes, as far as buildings go, but it had been in use for a long time before that to describe anything tall. Sure. In- including people. What? So like a very tall woman, you could be like, that gal's a real skyscraper, ain't she? (laughs) For real. And she'd say, fresh, and slap (laughs) you in the face. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly how that would go down. Wow. But yeah, you could use it for like a tall sail on a boat. Oh, I've heard that, yeah. Tall horse. Anything tall would be called a skyscraper. So it was just inevitable people were going to start referring to tall buildings as skyscrapers. All right. Well, there you have it. Bam.
0: So what you're doing with a skyscraper is literally fighting gravity. Um, and, you know, we mentioned pyramids. When you think about uh, like a cheerleader pyramid, how they how they reference it in the article, you, you need, the higher you go, you need more uh, support underneath. And so with a pyramid, you just go wider. And in theory, you could build something as tall as you want, as long as you kept going wider and wider with its foundation to support it. But like you said, you can't do that because people live near one another, and these are in city centers. Mm-hmm. So they had to come up with some, you know, with with the 1800s uh, skyscrapers that were brick and mortar. You could only go so high right. uh, before it just wasn't possible anymore. There'd just be simply too much weight on that foundation. So it took advancement and a very specific advancement called iron and steel <laughs> uh, in order to build these things taller
1: right and and so like the one of the other problems with brick and mortar is that it's not just supporting the weight, you could add more brick and more mortar, but either you're going to start spreading further and further out mm-hmm. and create a bigger and bigger footprint for your building and start running up against your neighbors or you're using up more and more of the space in the lower floors, yeah, so you have like maybe like a little chamber corridor that you can make it through. And then that's it for your lower floors. So it it doesn't make any sense. But with the advent of iron and steel, you suddenly had relatively um, lighter, stronger, and thinner, basically, building materials to work with. So you could go way taller and use up way less of a footprint on the ground.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, it started with iron. So you could get these super long, sturdy, solid beams. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, steel was even lighter and stronger than iron. actually came from iron or comes from iron.
1: Yeah, it's like super pure iron. Yeah,
0: isn't that the deal? I looked up that Bessemer process a little bit, and then
1: yeah, I was my surprised. eyes glazed over a bit. They they mentioned the Bessemer process, but it was really something called the open hearth process from 1865 that really like brought steel into mass production.
0: Is that just literally removing impurities from iron? Is that how you get steel?
1: Uh-huh. Wow. From what I understand, it's super pure iron. Hmm. Um, and, I mean, steel's been around for since, I think, the 13th century BCE. So, thousands of years we've been using steel. But for the most part, it's just been, like, some, some artisan blacksmith who, like, works with one small piece at a time. Right. And the steel that they were making was not very good. It was pretty brittle. And it was stronger than, like, you know, your average rock or something like that. Yeah. But you couldn't make a building out of it. Right. Then once they figured out that Bessemer process and then the open hearth process where they purified iron and could make large amounts of it at once, now you suddenly have uh, the kind of climate that skyscrapers can be built in.
0: Yeah. You know, the old saying was, you can't make a building from a long sword."
1: <laughs> no, you can't.
0: <laughs> or is it a broadsword?
1: Either one. It depends on what country you're in. Oh, Okay. <laughs>
0: Uh, All right, so let's talk about my favorite part of this whole thing, which is the skeleton and the superstructure. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's just so beautifully simplistic again. uh, The steel skeleton is the support structure of a skyscraper, and these are literally just vertical columns made up of metal beams that are (laughs) riveted together end to end. Right. In a big, giant box, and then at every floor— First floor, second floor, third floor.
1: Oh, keep going.
0: (laughs) You're going to have, obviously, horizontal girders, and those are just, I was going to say strapped. That wouldn't be very safe. Those are just riveted. (laughs) A good ratchet strap will do it.
1: (laughs) Right, strapped with, like, a, a, a bit of leather. That's it. That's what holds them together.
0: Those are riveted to the columns, and that's it on top.
1: Right, so yeah, you've got you've got vertical columns going up, you have girders going horizontally, and then you'll have like diagonal sure. supports that stabilize the girders, right, yeah, and those make, came along a little later, right, but all of these things put together, it forms like like what it's called the skeleton, the structure of the building, and it holds up everything because everything is connected to those vertical columns,
0: right, which is pretty great, but it creates an issue. In that all the weight is getting transferred straight down through those mm-hmm. vertical columns.
1: Yeah. That's what it does. So like all of the horizontal weight, like from the floors, from like the desks you put in there, from the drywall, from everything, it all gets transferred to those vertical columns, which means that you better have some number one sturdy vertical columns, but you can't just build this thing on the sidewalk. No. You've got to you've got to you've got to mount them pretty well to the to the earth. And the way you do that is there's a sub-layer of clay that you want to dig down to, depending on how heavy your building is. If it's really heavy, you want to dig down to the bedrock, which is the actual crust of the earth. The rest is, you know, just debris and detritus.
0: Yeah, this this substructure, I think, is the kind of the coolest thing.
1: I agree. So, do you remember we were talking about how um, if you build with brick and mortar, the taller you build, the thicker the walls have to be to where you have, like, basically no room left in the lower levels. Yeah, They figured out how to take that and put it underground and then build a, su- a superstructure on top of it. And that's what they did.
0: Yeah. So each little vertical column, and to make it simple, let's just think of four corners of a building, um, though the, the structure is much more complicated than that with huge buildings, obviously. But each one of those vertical columns sits on a spread footing which is basically, and if you look at the picture on the website article or just Google it, it's really, again, beautifully simplistic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It sits on a big square cast iron plate, and then that sits on what's called grillage, which are just stacks of horizontal steel beams, and they're just lined up, and then it's almost like a Jenga tower. Mm -hmm. You'll, You'll line them up going one way, and then the next layer will be lined up going the other way. And they've done a little math to figure out how many they need, Mm-hmm. And that grillage sits on concrete, uh, this big concrete pad that's <laughs> on that clay or the bedrock. And then all of that stuff is buried in concrete.
1: Just for good measure. Just for good measure. And so then you, they coat that in butterscotch. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I know that does sound kind of good. Huh? So you've, like you said, you've just got
0: this this pyramid essentially underground the supporting toughest. each column.
1: The toughest pyramid anyone has ever made in the history of humanity is one of these these um, spread footings.
0: Tougher than uh, the one from Bring It On, the movie?
1: Yes, tougher <laughs> than that one. This is a good movie, by the way. That's what I've heard. Um, but that's just under one vertical column. And again, if you have just a simple four-column structure, you've got four of those, taking the weight and distributing the force of gravity, pressing down on every square centimeter of this building, it's it's going down to the spread footing and just being distributed back into the earth, saying, there you go, fellas, go on your merry way and leave this building be. That's right. I will
0: take your load and spread it thin. And before we take a break, we should mention that all, all of this means, this this uh, skeletal structure means that your outer walls, which are the curtain walls, um, they they can be wide open. And so that's why you see floor-to-ceiling glass and a lot to most of these.
1: Yeah. Because you don't
0: need it to support anything.
1: No, just itself. That's the only thing it has to support. So that was like a huge revolution in, in construction, the idea that you could build with this new material, well, not new, but newly refined material, newly available material Mm -hmm. that could support a huge, tall building and that you could just put an outside wall onto, well, then now you can do whatever you want with these things. It really kind of opened things up. And there was a huge change in construction design in skyscrapers pretty quickly after they were introduced. Yeah. You want to take a break before we talk about that?
0: Yeah, because the functionality of this, which comes next, is uh, probably my second favorite thing.
1: Oh, boy. All right, Chuck. So we're talking functionality, yeah. which, as you said, is your second favorite thing about skyscrapers, right?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because you think of an architect thinking, man, let's just build this tall thing. But there's there's a function of the building beyond let's make it look cool or impressive, which is people live and work and run
1: business out of these things. Hey, by the way, I'm sorry, man. This is so... (laughs) This doesn't even qualify as a tangent. It's so off-base. But you just said architect. One of our architect friends, Adam Ruffin, and his wife, Serena, welcomed their second son recently. Oh, great. So congratulations, you guys. And I also, while I'm at it, want to give a shout-out to um, my friends, Laurel and Braden, for their second son (laughs) as well. So everybody's having second sons these days, and congratulations to all of you guys.
0: That's great. You know, Adam... uh, I'm I'm actually building my house up. I'm putting on a second story. Mm -hmm. And sent some plans to Adam that didn't quite look right. (laughs) Said, (laughs) hey, man, you know, you told me in New York to hit you up for a little free consult. Nice. And he said, here's what's wrong. And he went, boop, 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 and just sent me back a
1: little uh, advice sketch. Oh, that was very cool. And I was like, he kind of solved it. He's like, it was fine. They just had it upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's fixed. It's going to be weird looking. Yeah, that was nice of him. Did you send him, like, a muffin basket or something? I didn't, but maybe I'll send
0: him, like, uh, some baby booties now.
1: Oh, there you go. Because Ma- it's Made of muffins.
0: <laughs> baby booties. Uh, all right, so these things have to be functional because people work in them. Big business runs out of these things. Mm-hmm. Important things happen. Sure. And much like when we were designing our second floor, it's not as easy as just boom, there's a second story. When we were working with our local architect, he was like, well, you got to get up there. And that's when it first hit me of the problem. Wait, what did he mean by that? You you have to be able to access the second story.
1: Sure, sure, gotcha. So
0: that's when it really hit home, the problem of stairs. And he was like, no one ever thinks about it. And he said, that's usually the biggest issue when designing like a second floor build on an existing home Mm -hmm. is that you got to fit stairs somewhere. And in the case of Skyscrapers those stairs become
1: elevators. Right, which uh, you don't think about it at all. No. And, and and yeah, it's it, you would not have skyscrapers if you didn't have elevators. And it just so happens that they coincided at about the same time.
0: Yeah, I think uh, in New York a department store in 1857 was the first passenger
1: elevator. And it was an Otis brand elevator. Oh, that's great. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. Yeah. I think built by Elijah Otis himself. I love that. I'm pretty sure it's a hymn. I'd feel really terrible if that was like like the inventor of the elevator was a woman and I didn't know it, you know? I agree. For shame. I guess the H <laughs> makes it a hymn. If it was Eliza Otis, then it'd be a woman. But Elijah Otis is the man's version of that. Probably so. Okay.
0: But we'll check on that. Yeah. Uh, and if we're wrong, then we will have re-recorded that and you will never know. Uh, But this elevator is it it points out in this article is very plainly like it's a balancing act like you need to get you can't have a lobby full of people standing in line for 15 minutes because you don't have enough elevators. But then elevator shafts take up a lot of room in the building. So you've got to do the math and figure out the perfect little balance between how many people can we have in this office tower Mm -hmm. and how many elevators do we need to get them there in due time.
1: Right. And so, first of all, we talked about elevators in our elevators episode. Great episode, if you'll remember correctly. Um, But when you add elevators, you're taking up valuable real estate, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's just a place where you can't put an office because you've got an elevator shaft going there. So if you want to make your money back on that real estate, you got to add more floors. But if you have more floors, you have more people. If you have more people, you need more elevators. What's an architect to do? Right. You just go home for the day. (laughs) Elijah Otis, by the way, either a magnificently bearded woman or (laughs) an actual man. Okay, good. Okay. Oh, wow. Look at that. That is an immediate update. Yeah. And look at the hair, too. He's basically got my hair cut, except it's a little wavier on the sides. Yeah. Nice. So we couldn't have skyscrapers without elevators. Apparently, I think five or six floors is about the max you would want to not have an elevator in. And this is all before the American with Disabilities Act, right? So just just from, just from logistically speaking, you couldn't go more than five or six floors. So we've got elevators. There's also another innovation that had to happen, and that was with, um, like, fire sprinklers. Sure which those came surprisingly late for a lot of commercial buildings. Like, there were a lot of hotel fires up until the early 1980s that killed a lot of people before they finally mandated that you need sprinklers in these things because it's ridiculously dangerous to not have fire sprinklers. But with the advent of fire sprinklers, it made buildings a lot lot safer. Um, And that was one thing that you want to have in a high-rise or a skyscraper because it's really, it takes a while to get downstairs during a fire. So you just want the fire to be put out so you can get back to work.
0: Yeah, and then the final little piece of that puzzle of design is uh, to it should be a place people want to be in an office they want to work in uh, within reason. So the comfort of the occupants is a big deal. Um, When they designed the Empire State Building, they wanted to make sure that no one would ever be uh, more than 50, i I'm sorry, thirty feet away from a window,
1: mm-hmm. which is a nice, a nice thing to do. It is because sunlight, everyone knows, reaches thirty two feet. <laughs> so there you go. And did you uh,
0: did you see did you look up this uh, Commerzbank in Germany?
1: No, I didn't. I I did not. I it's feel like really
0: lovely. They have all these indoor gardens and it's just gorgeous. It's like a place that you look at and you think and you know, it's not they're not silk plants. They're real trees and things. Oh, yeah. And it is just beautiful.
1: I love that. Like I just love that about buildings that have like indoor straight up like gardens. Yeah. You know, there's um there's one I can't remember where it is, somewhere in Dunwoody that has, like, waterfalls and stuff like that and trees growing in there. <laughs> like, I always appreciated Embassy Suites because they uh, usually, I don't think they do anymore, but they used to have, like, whole, like, gardens and stuff in the in the lobby and everything. There's just something about a garden inside a house or a, a building that says, like, we own you, nature. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know? a very wonderfully oppressive thing. Maybe that's what I appreciate about
0: it. What's the one in Atlanta with the, the great interior atrium?
1: The I don't I don't know. No. Oh, the Marriott Marquis? No. Yeah. The one with the elevators? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Marquis. Yeah, I mean it's
0: still I can't remember is a pretty famous uh architect and designer who mm-hmm. I think passed away within the last like year or so. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's one of the great and there are a lot of good plants in there too, but that's one of the great sort of retro interior atriums uh, that I've seen.
1: Yeah, it's got that great, like, mod feel to it. Um, It's just... It's a good good building. I wonder who did it.
0: I can't remember. Um, I remember, though, being in... When I was a... I believe a senior in high school, that was where the party was on New Year's Eve. (laughs) And they, you know, somehow rented rooms to a bunch of 17-year-olds throughout the building. Yeah, that's dangerous. And it was dangerous, like, for real. Like, I remember... I remember hugging. The only covered part was the very, like you had to kind of hug the wall, and you had a at a lip that you could walk under. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking under there and seeing televisions and potted plants, like smashing on the on the floor from idiot children throwing wow. them off the balconies.
1: That is so dangerous. I know.
0: Oh my god. They changed. That was like the last year. They had a big policy shift after that
1: that's like the lord of the flies
0: it was i I mean my friends and i we were i mean i didn't drink in high school but all my friends were but we were all like man we're getting out of here this is bad news yeah so we were
1: good kids good for you buddy (laughs) uh by the way it was john c portman jr who was the architect right nice work all right chuck now we come to what might be my favorite Mm. if not second favorite part which is what wind does to a skyscraper, take it away, so wind does some crazy stuff to a skyscraper, <laughs> yeah, the end it blows on it, yeah, actually, it does crazy stuff, so like the when when a when wind encounters a skyscraper, a skyscraper will sway, mm-hmm. okay, that's actually okay they they have designed skyscrapers taking into account. Really heavy gusts of wind, and the building is almost certainly not going to fall down. There's actually this really great New Yorker story from the 90s about a—it's called the 59-story crisis, and it's about the Citicorp Center, which in 1978 opened, and after it opened— Basically, the architect or the engineer realized he like didn't carry a one or something like that, Whoa. and that the whole building was in danger of collapsing. Wow. Fully occupied now, and that there were there were hurricanes headed toward New York that had just the kind of wind that could knock this building down. So they did like this emergency retro like um st- like support structure addition. It, like, they they carved out the interior walls and just started working on it, and they managed to save the building. Is that but what the damper like, is for? So the damper is different. This was, like, they, they added, like, basically extra rivets. He went cheap on the rivets or something like that.
0: <laughs> well, so, I did think it was funny in the article. It said, you know, one thing you can do is just simply <laughs> tighten up the rivets and things. Right. I'm like, when do you go, eh, I feel like it's
1: tight enough? Well, so— I think right like, more than hand them all tight perfectly tight right i th- I think they're saying if you add more rivets in more places it'll it'll make the okay the building stronger and t- and, and um it won't it won't um strain underneath the gotcha. the wind The problem is is what you've just done is create like a very solid pole. And just with any kind of pole, when it sways, the end of it, like a fishing pole, is the part that bobbles the most, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with the skyscraper. So the upper floors are really—they're subject to sway from the wind. Again, they usually, except for this 1978 Citicorp thing, they usually account for this stuff and then some. But the problem is humans— get really freaked out oh, and yeah. not just like psychologically like on a primal level get really freaked out when we're high up and we start moving and we're not we're not under it's not under our control sure so like the building might be sound, but if word gets out from people that, that it sways, people will think it's not sound. And so you'll never sell the upper floors. You'll never rent out the upper floors. And maybe the whole building will be stayed away from because people will think it's going to collapse at any moment. So because of this rumor mill, engineers actually designed for the most sensitive people mm-hmm. um, who I think can sense something like 15 milli-g's. So a G is like a force of acceleration, Mm -hmm. which is actually what you're sensing when you're swaying somewhere, like in the top of a building. This is 15,000ths of one G, right? When you're on a roller coaster, you're experiencing like three, four, five Gs. This is 15,000ths of one G, and that's what they designed for because beyond that, they found people will start complaining, and then word might get out that the building's unsound.
0: They're like, bring Maury in here. He's a real wimp.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Maury? Oh. <laughs> right. Okay. Tighten it up, everybody. <laughs> but tight, tightening it up only goes so far, right? Um, if as, The taller you get, tightening doesn't help. So you got to add other stuff. They've come up with some pretty ingenious stuff for that.
0: Yeah. Like in the sort of, I guess what I would call it, the middle period, like Empire State Building period, mm-hmm. they started just around that elevator shaft in the middle, just trussing that up with more beams, diagonal beams, And then more recently, they've just built these huge concrete cores right in the center of the building. Mm -hmm. But that's not the coolest part, is it?
1: No, the damper's the coolest part, or the um, mass-tuned damper, I think. Yeah. The tuned mass damper, I'm sorry. And I think we talked about this. It must have been in the 9-11 memorial.
0: Yeah, I think so. But this is one of those things that, again, it seems like, whoa, they're getting really complex because uh, they're using computers and things now. But at its root, a tuned mass damper system is also super rudimentary, don't you think?
1: Yeah, it really is. So, like, if the building's swaying one way, they'll put, like, a huge, like, concrete disc on top of some oil or something so it can slide, and they'll move that the opposite way. I know. So it's like, you know how, like, if you're walking a tightrope or on, like, a train track or something like that, and you start to sway – one way like you're going to fall off you shift your body's weight the other way yeah. and you manage to stay upright this is the same thing but with the building going one way the concrete disk goes the other way and the building's sway is kept within an acceptable limit
0: yeah i mean it's it's amazing that someone just said yeah, what if we what if we swung a big weight up there mm-hmm. to counteract the sway and you know it gets a little with you know hydraulics and the computer is actually is what's what's monitoring the wind and mm-hmm. operating this thing. So that's where it gets a little complicated, but at its root it's just like like again like a kid said, "Well, why don't you just do this?"
1: Right. And so so there's some that use like the huge concrete weight. Some will use enormous gall- like um vats of water yeah to slosh back and forth <laughs> against the the sway. Um there's this stuff called magnetorheological fluid. Mhm. Which changes from a solid. It's normally in a solid state. And then when you pass a magnetic field over it, it just instantly turns to fluid. So, they have some dampers in some buildings. I don't know if it's actually in use or not or if it's still proposed. Mm -hmm. But on each floor toward the center of the building, you'll have a a damper made of this stuff in like a vat. And then when, uh, like say, an earthquake is detected or some sort of seismic activity is detected, it'll trip a magnet that runs a magnetic field over these things, and all of a sudden they turn into liquid and they start sloshing the opposite way and keep the building from swaying too far, too. All
0: right. Well, that's not rudimentary.
1: No, it's not. That's
0: magic. That's voodoo.
1: It is pretty pretty much. Should we take a break? I think, I think so, man.
0: All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit about uh, design right after this.
1: Okay, Chuck. So we're we're on to design now, by the way. Yeah. And the earliest ones were basically like, look at the size of this building I built. And everyone said, well, it's ugly as sin. Right. And the architect and and engineer and the builder and the owner would say, Doesn't matter. It's taller than any of your buildings. And everyone would say, That's that's true. But as as buildings got taller and taller, and like a new one went up every few months or a few you know, every year in some of the cities Um, around the world, like New York, London, those two. Um, (laughs) Like, it it, it became a lot more um, important what the building looked like.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, in the 20s and 30s into the 40s with what one of my favorite movements, the Art Deco movement, Mm -hmm. love it. Uh, You get my favorite building, which is the Chrysler Building, uh, and
1: the Empire State Building, which is still just gorgeous to look at you know so when we're in new zealand if you have time there's a town there called napier Mm -hmm. and it got leveled by an earthquake in 1930 and they said well we're going to rebuild the town what's like the the current um trend in architecture oh it's art deco so it's an art deco town the whole town is it's gorgeous man. It's all in like pastels and everything. It's just a beautiful town from the 1930s that they just rebuilt all all art deco.
0: Wow. I got to check that out it. for sure. Yeah. Um so, you know, that was that rang true for a while, but then eventually, you know, like um, you know, architecture goes in trends and we had a a bad trend in the 1960s and, and Atlanta certainly has its share of international style buildings is what it's called, which I don't know why, but for some reason, they sort of just reverted back to these monoliths, mm-hmm. uh, and it, and a lot of them were torn down in Atlanta, but some of them are still here, and they're just they're the ugliest buildings in the city.
1: I like some of them, like not necessarily the ones in Atlanta, but like the Sears Tower, or the Willis Tower is is an international style. Is it? Yeah, the U N.
0: Interesting, at least because it's staggered.
1: Right. Okay, that's still technically international style. UN uh, headquarters in New York, international yeah, style. some of them can have a retro style now. Right. I think that's what I appreciate about some of them. But, yeah, you're right. Some of them are also just like, that is just fugly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? Uh, and the Sears or Willis Tower. We still call it the Sears Tower, let's be honest. Yeah, okay. Um, that one is unique in that it is, uh, it's it's tubes, Right.
1: Yeah, and they're staggered in height, so they kind of played with this new thing for, um, I think, I don't know if it was for the skeleton or what, but they they built, like, steel tubes and then fill them with concrete. Right. So that provided the structure, but they they, they staggered them, so it created this cool look to the building that it's known for.
0: Yeah, I did the uh, architectural river tour in Chicago when I was there last summer, mm-hmm. and the, the lady we had was great. She told us the story. I just couldn't remember it quite right.
1: Yeah, it is the Sears Tower. I feel bad for Mr. Willis. Yeah, but it's it's just the Sears Tower. <laughs> um, and then you've got now, kind of like like whatever, whatever you want to do. That's yeah. that's what we want. Like, and some some are great, some are not so great. Mm-hmm. But I think that's always been the way with skyscrapers. Some are great, some are not so great. But either way, you've got to. Big old skyscraper in your city now, whether you like it how it looks or not.
0: Yeah, they're getting kind of funky. Like in a place like New York where it's um, <laughs> like even one, uh, is it one World Trade Center now?
1: Uh, the Freedom Tower.
0: Oh, right. But I believe they call it one WTC still as well, no? Is it? I don't know. Well, let's just um, call it the Freedom Tower.
1: We'll call it one <laughs> World Trade Center. You're
0: right. Um that one fits in, even though it has a newish look, but it, it fits into the landscape because it's there's a lot of tall buildings in New York. When you see, like, sometimes in the Middle East, like in—although uh, Dubai's got a lot of tall ones now, or Malaysia, they will be so much taller than mm-hmm. the surrounding
1: buildings that it's
0: just sort of odd-looking to me.
1: Well, plus also, you know, you you hope that the architect is going to design the thing to fit the surroundings yeah rather than really stand out and but regardless i mean these are not public buildings these are privately owned buildings almost across the board and you the city dweller who lives there and has to look at this thing every day are totally at the mercy of the person designing it yeah. like that's that's whatever gets put up gets put up and you had no say whatsoever and mm-hmm. um which can be good in a lot of cases it can also be bad um but there are, it seems like more often than not, the stuff that they're putting up these days is pretty pretty interesting to look at. Like there's um, Zaha Hadid, who I think won the Pritzker Prize a couple years ago. I think she died recently. She put up this um, building. I don't know if it's done yet or not, but it's called 1000 Museum Tower uh-huh. in Miami. And it is gorgeous. It's super miami like the exterior skeleton actually twists and curves and they snakes around the outside of the, the curtain wall even in some points. But it fits. Like it fits Miami. Like you just look at this building, you're like, I can't imagine that building anywhere else in the world or more at home anywhere else in the world than Miami. Yeah. So it's good. Like it's neat. It's interesting. It's it's cool to look at, but it also fits the surroundings.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that one, I just looked at it. It's That's pretty cool looking. It looks – some of them are looking very futuristic now to
1: me. That looks very futuristic, yes.
0: Yeah, which is – you know, it's fine. I'm kind of – I like the throwback style, but uh, I don't mind a little future every now and then. All right. (laughs) Uh, The the question of how high can you go is very hotly debated. Mm -hmm. Some designers and architects say if you had enough money, you could go a mile high. Mm-hmm. Other people say, no, nah, you probably couldn't. Um, it's not very feasible. At least not now. Yeah, but in the future, you know, and they say this is an, an efficient way to build is up. Mm-hmm. And environmentally friendly is to go up.
1: Right. It is. it. it in some it, ways. It depends. It depends. Did you read that one article about glass?
0: Yeah. So that's that's pretty hotly debated right now in the architectural community, huh?
1: Yeah, I don't know if they're trying to start it up or if it is actually already a, a thing of debate. But there are some architects, some pretty prominent ones, too, who said we should stop, like, building glass towers. Right. They're, they're kind of cold. They're unfeeling. They just don't create a sense of community. Plus, they're super wasteful. Like, they're really expensive and, and consume a lot of energy to um, heat and cool because there's a lot of um, loss of heat and a lot of— Uh, heat creeping in depending on the time of the year. And they're just kind of wasteful, actually. And that coupled with the idea that there's now this trend moving toward tearing down taller and taller buildings and replacing them with even taller new skyscrapers, especially when there's really nothing wrong with that skyscraper in the first place. But say like in, in Chicago, if the Willis family had known that they were their Their tower was still going to be known as the Sears Tower, no matter what <laughs> they may have torn that thing down and built something else in its place, right, yeah, and that seems to be the trend. It's like oh that that'll always be known as you know this 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 building, I want to tear it down and put up my own building. That is super-duper wasteful. And there's, those are two big criticisms as far as skyscrapers are going right now um, in the world from what I can understand.
0: Yeah, that one article you sent said uh, that 270 Park in New York mm-hmm. will be the first building taller than 200 meters to be demolished. Mm-hmm. And that the average lifespan – there was a study from the, uh, the Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitat – that found the average lifespan of the
1: 100 tallest demolished buildings is 41 years that is that is not long enough for the amount of, of expense that goes into them the amount of materials and energy uh, you, like i think that same article says like these things should be built for 100 to 200 years i mean what is it a football stadium basically yeah
0: <laughs> they don't even have 41 years are you kidding me football no, they stadiums really don't. like 14 15 years now
1: yeah, think about it, man. So like the, it, with the Braves Stadium, the Ted was like, built in '96 for the Olympics. Yep, and it, it's it was abandoned two years ago, and two so it made it um twenty years. Yeah, twenty years,
0: and it's being used now. Georgia State took it over, but it
1: was a perfectly good baseball stadium. Fifteen mm-hmm. minutes from my house, and then with the uh, the Falcons Stadium, that one there was nothing wrong with that one, was there?
0: The Georgia Dome.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: no, but I got to say, man, that new Mercedes-Benz Stadium is... Is it nice? Man, it's awesome.
1: I haven't been in it yet.
0: It's very cool. It feels like you're at an outdoor game, uh, even with the roof closed. Oh, cool. The way they built it, it's just, you should check it out at some point.
1: I mean, it is beautiful. Like, I get that. It's not lost on me. I'm not just such a, like, a, a... a grump or a critic that I'm just like, no, it, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. I, I, I get that there's also a lot of, like, civic pride, especially that goes into a building like that. Yeah. But it's also super wasteful well, to just tear yeah. something down while it's still totally fine rather than renovating it.
0: And, of course, all the controversy, for especially for sports stadiums around uh, tax dollars paying for them, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's usually a hotel tax, so they can say, like, it's not on you, it's on the people that come to Atlanta.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they did that in Cobb County. I think it was a straight-up, like, citizen's tax.
0: I think so for the baseball one. Mm-hmm. Um, you also sent a cool article, though, about wood skyscrapers mm-hmm. and how this is a new trend. And uh, apparently ahead of schedule, uh, Brock Commons, a student, uh, like a, I guess it's a dormitory, at University of British Columbia, is now the tallest, as of now, the tallest wooden uh structure at 18 right. stories.
1: Yeah. And you think like well wood that's not good. We don't want to start using wood for skyscrapers. It is good. Apparently it is good. That it that it can it can be s- uh sustainably sourced. Mm-hmm. Um and that it can actually uh it uses like th- in some cases 30% less um energy than creating a, a skyscraper using uh concrete and steel. Yeah. Um, and that's not including like transport costs or transport uh, emissions as well. That's strictly in production. Um, and the the stuff they're making or using now is called cross laminated timber. Yeah. Which supposedly is as strong as steel. The big drawback to it is it's like twice the price right now.
0: Yeah, it's just a uh, it's it's like what you get with uh, like pressboard. It's it's sheets of wood glued together mm-hmm. and compressed together. And when you look at this Brock Commons, it just, you know, looks like an ordinary building.
1: And there's another building going up somewhere in Japan. I couldn't find where. It's called the W350 building, mm-hmm. which I guess stands for wood, and it's 350 meters tall. Ah. Which is, that's a that's like a 35-story skyscraper made of wood. And I think 10% steel, but the rest is wood. Um, and that's going to be really something. And I, I imagine a pretty big proving ground for, you know, this this new material
0: yeah and you mentioned that it is can be sustainable and mm-hmm. uh because the first thing i thought of of course is like now we're going to tear down the forest to build buildings mm-hmm. but uh they say that less than one percent of the world's forest are harvested each year um and it sounds that, like
1: a hornet's nest to me
0: <laughs> it does but you know they did this in canada and they said it was a super green project and like the way forward mm-hmm. and i trust the canadians on that
1: stuff me too man um so, like, we just would be the worst human beings alive if we didn't talk about the tallest buildings in the world and the competition for it. Right? Yeah,
0: and also, real quick, you mentioned the glass. Didn't what? Didn't they have that one building in London that like melted a car?
1: Yeah, the Walkie Talkie Building. Yeah, that was one of the problems with glass. Is um, do you remember in in when we were in Buckhead, the Sovereign Building next door? Yes. If, did you ever walk past it and through the beam of light? Yeah, it was blinding. It was really hot, too. You could imagine, like, under certain circumstances, it could, like, burn you. Well, there's a building in London that they had to shade even further because it melted a car that was parked in that (laughs) beam of light. Melted a car. Yeah.
0: Oi. All right. So, the tallest, I mean, it's, I think they said there's something like 20 buildings under construction that will eclipse the uh, Burj Khalifa. Oh, is that right? Wow. And I, th- is, I think that's currently number one. Undisputed. But the, the Jeddah Tower, J-E-D-D-A-H, mm-hmm. in uh, Saudi Arabia will be 3,280 feet high, and that'll be done in just a couple of years.
1: Yeah, that's that's over, it's 1,000 meters, I think, on the nose, if I'm not mistaken. And this and is that, one of
0: those that sticks out like a sore thumb, too.
1: It, it definitely does. So, um, and then there's also one that might be the tallest for a brief time because I think it's going to be uh, completed before the Jeddah Tower, but it's in Dubai and it's called the Tower and it'll be 928 meters or 3,045 feet. That's, that's,
0: I mean, I know they say it's good to go up, but I don't know. That stuff makes me nervous.
1: (laughs) There's a picture of the Jeddah Tower to where a substantial portion of it, maybe the top third, is above the cloud line. (laughs) I saw that picture. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be like that every day. But theoretically, if that's even possible, I can't imagine how much like those upper floor penthouses are going to go for. It's just nuts, man. Yeah. But they're building them. I think the the tower in Dubai is expected to cost a billion dollars, which I'm like, I, that seems kind of inexpensive to me for a thousand-meter building.
0: Well, I know one person who wouldn't live at the top of that thing, and he's sitting across from me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I just like to see pictures of it and yeah. get woozy down here at sea level. I again. don't even have a height thing and
0: that. It makes me nervous.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. So I guess that's about it there's Well, one more thing. There's a lot of debate over what constitutes the world's tallest building and the Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitat that you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. They said that there's actually no real uh, definition of a skyscraper, but there are some types, subcategories, I guess, where there are definitions. There's a super tall, which is 300 meters or more, mega tall, which is (laughs) 600 meters or more. And hella tall. (laughs) <laughs> and then a tall building is uh, is up to three hundred meters, but I get, it doesn't. There's no starting basis for it. Wow! But there you go. Skyscraper can be anything tall, just like in the old days. I love it. Uh, if you want to know more about skyscrapers, uh, just start looking around. They're everywhere, and you can also read about them on How Stuff Works by typing skyscraper in the search bar. And so, I so said that's time for listener mail.
0: I'm going to call this very smart lady emailed us, uh, Camilla uh, Size or Seas, mm-hmm. S I S E, about Occam's razor.
1: And it was very nice about it, too.
0: Yeah. Did you read this one? Mm-hmm. She said, I-, I thought I'd give a small clarification uh, slash correction, might give you some insight on the alleged subjectivity of it. Uh, you explained that the principle was when confronted with competing explanations, one should select the simplest one. She said this very common misconception, it should be the most parsimonious. How about that word?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Explanation is more likely to be true. She said it seems nitpicky, uh, but it eliminates a lot of the subjectivity you complained about in the episode. The most parsimonious means the most economic in the sense that it makes the least amount of assumptions. Uh, That makes total sense because each additional assumption you are making is an additional chance of being wrong. For example, the ghost in the photo makes the assumption that ghosts exists, uh, exists something that has not been proven, whereas the naturalistic explanation doesn't need to assume the existence of any light phenomena you use to explain that picture, because those all have been proven to exist. Makes Wrap your head sense. around that.
1: So I feel like we did talk about that a little bit, but we weren't very explicit, and I, I, I think we kind of walked past the idea that that's the basis of the whole thing.
0: Yeah, she said, as you explained very well, it doesn't disprove... The ghost hypothesis, it just makes it less likely to be true. Mm -hmm. Most of science is not about proving things anyway. It's about inferring the most likely explanations to phenomena. Yep. I hope that helps. Keep up the great work. That is Camilla Size, and that is is a good email.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Camilla. Well put. Appreciate that. And a few people wrote in kind of saying something similar, but she definitely put it best. Yep. Uh, If you want to set us straight, you can hang out with us on Twitter, I'm at Josh underscore um underscore Clark. Uh, Chuck's at Movie Crush Pod, and we're both at S-Y-S-K Podcast on Twitter. Chuck's on Facebook.com slash Movie Crush Pod.
0: I actually spend a lot of time on the Movie Crush Facebook page.
1: Oh, okay. So if you want to hang out with Chuck on Facebook, go to Facebook.com slash Movie Crush. Uh, He's also on Facebook.com slash Charles W. Chuck Bryant and slash S-Y-S-K, or no, Stuff You Should Know. I mean, you're all over Facebook, aren't you? (laughs) Uh, If you want to send us all, including Jerry, an email, you can send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.